Uh, welcome back to what we would say as Real Talk with Caleb. It's a little bit different today. We've got a panel in front of us uh, right here and uh, some senior NCOs across the Air Force uh, that uh, you know want to step into the conversation about connecting at the human level. So that's what we're here to do today. If you had a chance, last night we had uh, a few airmen on that have the same type of discussion, but at the airman tier level, if you will, and how they perceive things, uh, how they perceive at what connecting at the human level means, what they kind of expect uh, from, from the supervisory level. So now we got the supervisors on here. So we're gonna talk about a couple of different things. Uh, and if y'all have been with me for a little bit, you'll know that we'll camp out, go down a rabbit hole. There's a couple of different terminology you wanna put on it. But uh, at the main heart, the main theme of this is connecting at the human level. And the reason I say that we should connect at the human level is because my, like my opening thesis last night, the same thing, the lack of connecting at the human level attributes, I believe, to resentment, toxicity, depression, lack of inclusion, suicide, and multiple other issues across the Air Force. Now, we are the world's greatest Air Force. There's no doubt about it. And there's a lot, the majority, the vast majority of our supervisors are locked in doing the right thing. The vast majority of our airmen feel like they belong, feel like they're part of something bigger than them. However, y'all know me, uh, it's about trying to make it better a little bit better every day, one, one step at a time. And that's what we're here today to talk about. Hear from our leaders across the Air Force about what they're doing in their organizations, the things that actually work. Uh, you know, uh, we wanna talk about things that are factual, right? So if that is a program they've got established, uh, they're gonna to talk to us about that program and how they've seen it benefit the airmen as it pertains to connecting. Uh, and then we'll just have some, just frank discussion. Right, so these are leaders in front of you that have been through some things. They've they've led airmen, they've led processes or managed processes and, and large groups and things of that nature. Uh, they've been in the business for a little bit. Uh, if you don't know me, uh, for real quick on introductions, then we'll kick it around to the room uh, for everybody to do a little quick introduction. I am Chief Master Sergeant Vaden. We'll go by first names today. It's more of a laid back, relaxed type of environment, just trying to bring the veil down a little bit so everybody's not tied into rank. Uh, my bio is out on Air Force Quarantine University. You can check it out there. I'm currently stationed out at Ellsworth Air Force Base as a group superintendent. I've been doing this awesome game of being in the Air Force now for about 19 years, coming up on 20. Uh, I've got, uh, some people would say, skin in the game, so to speak. My son just graduated base military training. Uh, so when people ask me, hey, how do you stay in tuned into the younger generation? Of course, I talk to our airmen, and I talk to our, my airman son, right? So they keep me in line. So that's how I try to stay connected across the board. Uh, so... Kicking it across, what I'll do is I'll just go around my screen here. We'll start off with you, Omar. Why don't you tell the audience what you want us to know about who Omar is? How's it going, guys? Uh, Quarantine University, Omar Salih here. Uh, currently stationed out at Spangdalem Air Base, Germany, at the 726 Air Mobility, Mobility Squadron uh, at the en route. So uh, my occupation is uh, occupational safety, so I'm the safety manager here. Been doing that for a little over three years now. Been in the airport for about eight years. Uh, prior to that, I was an aircraft mechanic. Uh, worked on about six airframes. Did that for five years. Decided it was time for a change. And uh, now I get to help people be safe every single day. And I love my job. So excited to be here and uh, excited to get some uh, insight from those of you in the chat. Awesome. Thanks, Omar. Sign up. Good morning, I'm Staff Sergeant Diane Jones. Um, I'm stationed in Hawaii at Hickam Air Force Base. Um, I'm a target analyst reporter um, at NSA-H. And 
I've been here for, this is my only duty station. I potted with my husband. So I've been here for about four years now and I'll be here for two more. And I'm happy to be here and learn about what other people are doing and share what I've been doing. Awesome, thank you, welcome. Uh, Jeva, over to you. All right, good afternoon, everybody. I am Jeva, uh, Master Sergeant, Active Duty Flight Attendant, currently stationed in Offutt Air Force Base. Uh, been in the service for about 18 years, so looking forward to having this conversation today. Awesome, welcome, thank you. Uh, over to you, Curtis. How's everybody doing out there? I'm Sergeant Curtis out on the West Coast. Uh, I've had a various amount of jobs, which has given me a, a huge uh, breadth of experience. I'm a cyber, you know, a cyber airman by trade, uh, but really I'm here for the people. Um, I really believe that people are the most important thing and that's truly what gets the mission done. So I'm just here to have a very open and frank conversation to attack some of the things that the water cooler that we don't like to talk about. So uh, I'm ready and looking forward to this discussion. Awesome, welcome Curtis. Jacob, over to you. Uh, yes, sir. I'm actually stationed in Kennewick, Washington. I'm a flight chief for the recruiters for Central Washington. I've been in the Air Force now for about 14, 15 years this January, actually. Um, and my prior career field was logistics, and I did that for about seven, eight years, stationed stateside overseas as well. So, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to the, to the frank conversations that we're about to have. Awesome. Welcome to the team, man. Keith, over to you. Uh, Curtis hit the nail on the head on that one. That was awesome. So same thing. Very, very, very passionate about people. Prior POL, uh, been in the Air Force almost 18 years. I am now the 20th Bomb Wing Career Assistance Advisor and really looking forward to some pretty tough questions, I hope. So yeah, just want to give back. Awesome. Appreciate it, Keith. Over to you, Rob. Uh, my name is Robert Rogers. I'm a proud Air Force Reserve Chief Master Sergeant. I work for U.S. Indo Paycom Joint Intel Operations Center, Senior Enlisted Advisor for JDET uh, Fort Worth. Um, probably most known for my my authorship stuff, the paperback mentor, and answers for airmen, uh, especially in this forum. And I'm incredibly passionate about helping people and uh, presenting new ideas and ways of looking at things. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Thank, thank you to, to everyone that's on the panel today. Uh, whether you're going to be watching this live, you're watching it live right now, or you watch it as a playback later, our heart uh, for everyone, we, we discussed uh, briefly before we got on live here, uh, just a few minutes, we logged on a little bit early. Uh, it, our heart is to, you know, hopefully answer some questions if they pop up, um, but more so than anything is to drive discussion. Right, so we just ask that you sit there and listen to understand. Uh, I mean, obviously you can comment and, and you can ask questions, of course, but if you're watching this on playback, uh, that option is a little bit harder. Um, but just to listen with an intent to understand. Uh, sometimes when we have these discussions, really a lot of times, and I've, I've had quite a few of these discussions, y'all might have seen me on uh, Quarantine University before, uh, people uh, will sometimes, some people, not everybody, will jump to the conclusion, well, you just need to toughen up. Uh, you, you know what, there was, a, there was a, an airman on uh, that had discussed earlier talking about mental health issues, uh, not mental health issues, sorry, the ability to go see a mental health provider to get some assistance is looked on negatively from an early time. I, I never even heard about it when I came in the Air Force 19 years ago. 
Uh, but he was saying that, hey, you know what? I heard this at a recruiting station, right? Um, uh, and one of them said, hey, I heard this in BMT. Uh, I haven't had these discussions with my son yet. He just finished BMT, so it's more so like, congratulations, you made it, bro. Um, so we haven't gotten into that type of discussion. So anyway, where I'm going with that is some people will say, you know what, Psh, whatever, man. That was just That's just the way the Air Force is. Or, you know what, we didn't really say you were trash. We were just joking around. That's our culture. That's the type of environment that we're in within this culture, whatever AFSC or grouping functional area that is. Uh, and that's just the way we do it. If you don't like it, you just need to get thicker skin. I'm not, what is that called? I'm like a dermatologist, right? I think is what it is. It works on skin and those skin. I don't know if you can grow extra layers of skin. I haven't ever done that. I've gotten sunburn before and the layers come off. Uh, so that one might grow back, but I've never gotten thicker skin. And I know I'm being a little bit flippant there, but who tells our airmen they need, and I say airmen grade agnostic a lot of times, but this time I'm pointing uh, directly at where we see the disconnect uh, with our younger airmen, uh, junior in rank, so to speak, that say they don't feel like they belong. So I'm all, of course, here, and we'll just go open this, this panel up. Uh, if you've got earbuds or um, hearing devices, uh, you might be able to just go mute or uh, mic on. If not, it'd give you a little bit of feedback. But am I off on this? I mean, I know holistically we do a great job in the Air Force, but man, there are some pockets. And if you watch that uh, discussion we had last night with the airmen, there's, there's something there, right? So I think there's something there. Some of the airmen think, what, 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 am, what are we missing? First, am I off mark with the sense of belonging, human connection? And if I'm not, what are we missing? Where, where can we get better? Let's just go in, just open forum discussion. Let's, let's get after it. I'll jump out there first. All right, um, we, we, we are missing it in a way. We're getting some things right. We are, but we're missing it and we have a disconnect because what we say compared to what we emphasize, and I like to use champion, is two different things. You know, and unfortunately, that is causing a disconnect with people now that are valuing more of the heart-to-heart -heart connection that will drive the mission compared to the mission and then worrying about everything else afterwards. And we have to be able to be very honest about the, the unspoken truths that people perceive, which is one of those things like, hey, I have a mental health issue, or I have a mental issue, and I have a security clearance, and I'm cautious of going forward because of what's said or what can be done. And so we have to be honest. I, I believe in, in being honest with there may be something that comes out of it that can affect your security clearance, but that doesn't mean that you're not still a worthwhile airman that can that can still give great contributions back to the service but there are some things based off what you're working on what you're doing that may affect you but i would rather you get the help that you need to be a long-lasting citizen than you feel like i got to keep this quiet and then it ends up putting us in a situation where we have to address it because you're not healthy you know, you are adjusting. And I had an airman tell me one time, and this, this is really stuck with me. We as humans naturally go to a place of comfort. So we're always working to get comfortable. And a lot of times we'll make decisions, right or wrong, we'll make decisions because it's like, hey, your security clearance is so valuable and we really need you on this mission. And, you know, you, you, you need to be here. But yet if I'm struggling with something and what I call uh, closet conversations, I'm very scared to come forward because of what could fall out from that compared to saying, hey, you know what, I respect you more because you raised your hand and said I'm dealing with something 
we'll take care of everything else afterwards. But we need you healthy because I don't want to have to report to your parents that you made a permanent decision for a temporary situation. That's good, Curtis. You know, something, something you say in there talking about, uh, hey, we need you for this mission. Sometimes I wonder, you know, I don't think supervisors are out there just like, there are some probably are that are just intentionally cutting people down and they want them to separate from the Air Force. Uh, and they feel like they can create enough of pain for this airman that they will separate from the Air Force. I don't think anybody out there is saying, essentially holding the gun, so to speak, finger on the trigger saying, please kill yourself. I, I don't think anybody's out there doing that. Uh, but there are people that are intentionally being rough to get people out of the career field. And then there's other people, I think their heart's big. Kind of like what you just said, hey, we need you for this mission. Caleb, we'll use myself as an example. Caleb, you're one of the best operators, man. And my dirt boys watching would be like, no, he ain't. But, but, but hey, you're one of the best operators. We need you to go to Afghanistan with us this, this trip around. We're doing roads, whatever. And make, trying to build that person up to so they feel important and they're masking the real issue. They do care about the people. Maybe they're just not smart enough uh, on the process of how to take care of them, right? So thanks for bringing that point up. Um, anybody else uh, with those opening remarks? Anybody else want to add to that? Yeah, I'll jump in. Um, I would say what measure what gets measured gets done, right? And so um, the Air Force is all about the quantitative, measuring the metrics of people, measuring the metrics of mission, measuring the metrics of training and everything else. Um, and if you look at where we spend our time and our effort, that's not on things like suicide, to be quite honest. We talk about it a little bit, but look how much training we actually get. Do we have you ever received training for I haven't I've been in almost 20 years I have never received any training about that but I have all my you know information awareness and all the other stuff done every single year I spend time doing that so if we care about it as a service which I know many leaders do but I'm talking about as an organization then where is the time and the energy and the effort being spent to prove it it sounds like we're saying a lot of words but I'm not seeing the resources being dedicated to these things and until I do, I'm an Intel analyst by trade. Until, like your words don't matter at all. Until I start to see the resources and the things we've done, us spending that time, then I don't believe that there's a tangible change coming. But that's just my opinion. Something interesting you're hitting on there, Rob, is what I hear you saying. So you, you were paused there for a second with internet connection. So I wanna make sure that I got this right. But what I hear you saying uh, is, hey, there's, there's this, this upper Air Force level or you can look down here foundational, whatever way you want to look at it. But from an upper, from a service level, maybe even DOD level, hey, what are we actually putting resources towards? There are CBTs, there are the, and we'll get into more of that stuff later with the, the panels and stuff, because there's some really good panels out there and I've seen a lot of great things from them. And, and Keith can probably speak to that of some of the stuff we've done here at Ellsworth. But anyway, um, you know how CBTs are. I mean, Airmen, I'll go through some of the comments they've given me and Airmen like, you know, just, we, we know how the information assuring us uh, works right assurance works right that's let's not fool anybody we real talking out here everybody has got that stuff memorized you know what the answers are you just click 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 boom i'm five minutes done get on to the next thing mission 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 or if you're somebody like me you're like hey i'm gonna click through this and get this thing done so i can go sit down and talk to airmen to find out what's on their hearts but what i hear you saying is there's some big stuff out there that we need to change more mental health providers i want to see more money thrown at that Got it, 100%. We heard Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force number 19, Chief Master Sergeant Bass talk about that. Hey, we don't have enough mental health providers. Then one of her coffee chats the other day with General Brown was on uh, with her. So what, you're absolutely right, Rob. There's some big level stuff from, from the Air Force, but some of the comments our airmen make, they, they don't necessarily look at the top level yet. That's what me and you, we definitely need to be, right? And we need to be advocating for that. What are we doing in the here and the now? 
uh, it's in CBTs. I'm not saying CBTs are bad. I can learn something from a CBT, but when we're talking about human connection, what are, when are we actually connecting with our airmen to, to help them out? Omar, I saw, I saw your face over there. It looks like you wanted to add something to it. Do you have something you want to add? So, um, Rogers, right, Rob? Yeah. So Rob spoke last. I really love what he said. Um, I am not a fan of CBTs. Every time that I see CBTs come around, I'm like, you know, what am I learning from this, right? Can I click to the last slide and then guess on the last? You know, I got 25% chance, one out of four, right? So CBTs is not the way to go. Whichever way we go for, if there ever is a, a connecting training with people, it's not going to be a CBT. It has to be group discussions. Let's not make it like your typical, oh, here, we got to go to Green Dot. We got to go to cyber training because you see everybody's face you say, oh, you do cyber training, eyes roll to the back of the head, right? We got to make it interesting. It has to come from top down, commander support, your superintendent support. It has to be group discussion. Hey, talk to me about where you're from. Oh, you're from Kentucky? Oh, cool. Well, I grew up in New York City. Two, two different, you know, sides of the planet, if you will, if you've ever been to New York City and you go to Kentucky. Um, but when it comes to connecting with somebody, you really have to show an interest. And I think airmen could definitely appreciate if it's genuine and it's not just, hey, I gotta go check on my new three level today. I see she's on her phone for the past 30 minutes, right? So I think that's that's the starting point at least. You're right. So, you know, to your point, and I wanna make sure that we're clear. So disclaimer, I didn't go through it, but. Everybody knows how this works, but I'll, I'll throw it out there just in case uh, people forget. Hey, these are our personal opinions and perspectives, right, through our experience. And, and we will tell stories, we'll leave names out uh, and locations, that, and we're not gonna talk about anything that would is currently under an investigation or should be under investigation. So if you use a story, it's already said and done kind of thing. Uh, but but Omar, I know, uh, I, I don't want anybody to take it out of context. We know how the world of venture webs works. People take stuff out of context in a heartbeat. I know you know that those things are important when it comes to sexual assault and sexual assault response uh, program. You know when I've seen that the most effective is when the person leading it is on fire for that. They have passion for that. And when, let's say you, Omar, bring your crew in, your, your office, your shop, and you make it important, and then you interact. Now, it might have some stuff that we could get better at, right, on, on the way it's delivered. But when you're, you have a person leading the discussion that's on fire for it with passion, like you're saying, having a discussion, we got the lesson plan here, but let's discuss real life. That's when it's most important. So, yeah, I just want to make sure people don't take what you said out of context. I know you, man. I've been assigned with you, right? So we've had some good times together uh, and getting the mission done and taking care of people. So I know where your heart is. I just want anybody to take that out of context on you. Anybody else uh, with yep, the open thoughts? Hey, Chief, I just want to kind of elaborate what uh, Rob said, and that's um, the Air Force is all about metrics. It's all about numbers. It's all about these, these things that you can touch and feel and you can see and you can measure. And I think it's important for, for all NCOs or any, anybody that you can stand up in front of a crowd, you can bark, you can, you can just knife hand, you can do all these things, and, and you're, you're going to get a mediocre product, right? And, and it, of course, it depends on the situation that you're in. But that's such a small time period whenever you really need to be like that. If you take the time to actually get to know your people so much further than what is their first name and what are their kids' name and actually develop that relationship that's going to build this trust. Whenever you say, hey, I need this done, it gets done. And those metrics 
and those numbers and those measurable things start turning into mediocrity, into just absolute greatness. And I think that's a key point that we're missing all the way down at the staff sergeant level. That mentorship needs to be there. We need to show people what right looks like. And that doesn't start at the chief master sergeant of the Air Force. That starts with me as a master sergeant. That's good points. Uh, one of the airmen said that last night. Uh, and so I see it with my son. He is on fire. It really pained me. I couldn't go to his graduation, right? But he is on fire for the Air Force. Now, granted, he's, he's lived with me for 19 years. Uh, he knew exactly what he wanted to do kind of thing. And we're not to go tell his whole story. But uh, when he's in basic, he was looking for leadership opportunities, right? And he's like, I want to I be in charge of something. Then he got put in charge of something. And he learned a whole new lesson. Um, but but where I'm going with that is he's on fire for the Air Force right now, right? He doesn't like his haircut because he likes to grow his hair out. Uh, but he loves the Air Force. And I asked uh, the airman last night, and if you hadn't had a chance to go back and watch that, I said, what happens between BMT and like your first two years? Sorry, guys, my back is on fire. and I'm trying to get comfortable here. Um, what happens after BMT in the first two years or so of a career? You'll come to base, Keith. I know you've seen it. Uh, you'll, you'll show up to a base and, you know, you ask an airman, they just look like they're in the dumps. And you ask them like, hey, man, how long have you been in the Air Force? Like a year and a half. And you're like, I, you don't do it outside, but inside you're like, oh my goodness, like what has happened in your life and your career that's brought you to this point? Jeb, I'd like you to share a little bit on that. Um, I'm, I'm just going to call you out. I know you got a lot of great information to, to give us and a lot of wisdom to share. What do you think happens? Like, what do you think happens based on your experience of what you've seen and talking to airmen? What happens and how, how, what are your, what's your advice on how we fix that? I think uh, so far each one of us kind of uh, explain that process just in different snapshots. So um, in summary, I kind of heard the word care. Um, none of us has actually said that word, but I think just kind of um, guarding against creating a culture where people come into an organization and feel like they have to fit in, right? So how do you welcome that person into that organization? And so a lot of times, regardless of what AFSC we're in, uh, we all have different cultures, right? Um, I'm applied to tenant, like I said, so air crew. So we have our, our different culture. Intel, you all have a certain culture. But we're welcoming airmen that are coming from all different walks of life. So uh, initially, when we all came online, we introduced ourselves. And this is something that I've noticed we do frequently, right? We, uh, we, you know, we say where we're from, we know our AFSC, how long we've been in the service. But a lot of times, we, we don't really dive in. And again, it's just, again, what environment we're coming into, where we share a little bit about ourselves. So now we're taking off the uniform. And now I need to actually paint a picture of, you know, who is this woman behind the uniform? You know, so, you know, we'll start first. I'm not sure if anybody saw, uh, we'll start with the name. I think we started that conversation earlier when we dialed in. And uh, so we'll start with just a name. So it's not a common name as you see up there. Um, and so for me, I know that my name is not common. So that's something that stands out to me when I see someone that has a unique name. I try to take the time to uh, understand or ask them how to actually pronounce that name. So starting with something as simple as a name uh, can help establish some sort of connection. We may not all, you know, relate or, you know, I may not play like dragons or, you know, video games, but again, there is something uh, with every interaction, uh, any exchange that you make from the lowest level airman to your most senior leader, there's some sort of connection that you can make with every exchange is what I've, I've come to find. So I'm not sure if that kind of helps answer your question chief but um, absolutely with a name absolutely you because you're putting in the personal where i would call it the the personal bin if you will um absolutely. so i i don't i don't need any of y'all to to say it uh, to identify and some of you maybe haven't haven't gotten to this level where you knew you were in love 
with the Air Force, right? You loved what you did. Like, I know I had a couple of airmen after one of my briefings one time. They said, uh, hey, Chief, I'm pretty sure – I was a senior at the time, actually. Senior, I'm pretty sure if we cut your veins, like, little Air Force wings would fall out, like, instead of blood. Um, and I thought that's kind of funny. You know, they were – basically, I'm eight up, right? And, and I like being eight up. I love the Air Force. And there's some things we do wrong, right? I wish I could wear a ball cap in my uniform and my OCPs because it's much more comfortable and it looks better, honestly. And I need all the help I can get. But seriously, on a serious note, you know – I, I do love the Air Force, and I've known it for a long time. I knew it from when I was about a technical sergeant. I loved it when I first came in, and then I did the job, the J-O-B, uh, as an NCO, and then I learned what my purpose was uh, as an NCO, and it was some good mentors in my life. But that's you hit the nail on the head, uh, Jeff, when you said that, is making it personal, right? So my son, I use him as an example again. He's in the Air Force right now. He's got a foundation with me and his mom and his brothers. Some of our airmen don't have that where somebody's going to reach out and they know them. They know the stuff they've been through. Some of our airmen don't have that. But what's stopping you? And, and Cyan, I would like your opinion on this or perspective as, a, as an NCO, working with airmen, leading airmen, being responsible for that, that human being uh, and to help them grow and, and to learn. What, what does that look like, right? Because we have some supervisors out there, some staff sergeants maybe watching this right now or tech sergeants, technical sergeants, or maybe watching on replay later. And they might be scratching their head like, okay, get to know our people. It's easy to say care, right? Not, you know, not taking that out of context at all. And you, Jeff, I say create a remarkable experience for people. Care about people. That means diff something different to so many people. So, Cyan, I'd like your perspective on what does that look like to you as a supervisor or as an NCO caring for the airman or getting to know the airman? What does that look like to you? Um, uh, thank you for calling on me. So, I'm a new staff sergeant. Um, I've had two troops so far, but even before I actually put on staff sergeant, I realized there's a huge disconnect in my flight between the um, airmen and the uh, flight leadership. Um, and I knew once one of my peers came to me and they, you know, they're just flat out like, you know, I'm not, I don't really feel like our uh, flight leadership cares about us, or at least cares about me and or them and their interaction with them. They didn't want to just write the person off, but in the interaction that they had with them, they felt like they didn't care. At the time, I was my squadron's booster club president, so I had frequent conversations with my flight leadership. And in those conversations, um, I was told, I was looked in my eyes and told, I care about the airmen in the squadron and I want to be the best leader that I can be to them. And this person was genuine and they meant it. And I knew then that I should step up and I should build that bridge so that the airmen could see that they actually really do care. And there might've just been some miscommunication in the conversations that they had. And also we get new leaders all the time. They change all the time. And you feel like they don't really know you. Hmm. So I started uh, earlier this year, I started a forum that I call Let's Talk. And in there, I, started with just the airmen in my flight because that's what I felt comfortable with. But now it's open to um, the entire flight, flight leadership included. I've even had squadron leadership show up. And 
we're in uniform, we're at work. I would just reserve a room at work for an hour and we talk about different topics and we get to know each other. And every week, new people are open up about themselves and new people um, come and they see how, how it is to interact on a personal level between airmen and um, tech sergeants, master sergeants, senior master sergeants, chief master sergeants. Um, a lot of the times the conversation is really light. I like to start with a, a silly icebreaker. Um, once I did, if you could choose between being a, an inch tall or a hundred feet tall, which would you choose? And um, it's really cool to see people actually have fun and to see like master sergeants have fun with that conversation and to see airmen open up in front of them. And um, sometimes the conversation gets deeper. And I love that. I love when someone comes to let's talk and they feel comfortable enough to talk about something that's going on with their family or that's going on in their life, something that they're dealing with. Um, it gets serious and it, it, you feel, you know, you feel that, that deeper feeling in the room when, when someone is um, revealing something that's really hard for them. But afterwards, everyone thanks them for opening up and everyone reassures them that they're here to support them. And it's really a really awesome thing. And I've gotten feedback from both airmen and from master sergeants that come on a weekly basis that look forward to going. Um, I never thought that I would know that my former flight chief loves Pokemon or that, um, one of my peers does like a new adventure at every weekend, like going skydiving or cliff jumping. And it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, I think realizing that sometimes we get the feeling that people don't really want to talk about themselves, especially in the Intel community, very quiet. We keep to ourselves most of the time, but if people feel comfortable enough and they feel like you genuinely care, they're more than willing to open up themselves once they feel um, they're in a safe environment. And I think that the first step is creating that environment and facilitating those conversations. Um, it doesn't always have to be deep. It can be something very simple and very silly. Um, but that's, that was my take on it and that's what I did. No, that, that is awesome. And it sounds like you're doing a great job of connecting at the human level, right? When you're finding out. And, and like uh, one of the panel members last night, Cassie pointed out, she's like, hey, and, and she identified herself as, you know, I'm 100 miles an hour personality right in your face. And, and I have to learn to tame that a little bit. Uh, and she was the opposite of that. So we went through that discussion a little bit. And she's like, hey, I'm not going to respond well at first to that. And then over time, it's going to take me time. So being persistent, I saw a sign in the gym today when I was working out uh, that said, you know, if it doesn't challenge you, you're not going to change. If it doesn't challenge you, you're not going to grow. Uh, so you got to keep doing it right and keep trying to connect. Jacob, uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this, man? A lot of people keep saying the word care, right? And I, and I forget who it was. Um, Jeba, I think, had said, you know, we, we say it a lot, but do we mean it? Um, you know, I treat, you know, my people like I treat my kids, you know, I ask them how their day's going, I ask them how they're doing, how their life is, how their family is, you know, stuff like that. Um, and I don't do it because I have to, or I want to, to be honest, I do it because I, I, I am interested. I am invested. 
Um, I've been stationed stateside overseas. Um, and I had that airman that you had mentioned earlier where I got to my overseas location and I asked her like, you know, how you doing? How's, you know, I'm new to overseas. What's it like? And she just rolled her eyes at me. And I was like, damn, like, what did I, <laughs> what did I do to you? I just, I just got here. <laughs> I'm still like, I'm still jet lagged. I'm in civilian clothes. You know, they just don't know who I am, what have you. But, um, and so, you know, a couple of weeks went by and I, you know, just chatted with her every now and then. And, you know, I just asked her, I'm like, you know, what's, you know, what's up? She's like, well, I hated it here. I'm like, do you have a passport? Like you're in England. Do you go anywhere? She's like, nope. Never been to London, never traveled overseas, you know, any over other overseas locations. Um, and so, you know, we just got to the heart of it, you know, and there's obviously a lot more to it and stuff like that. But um, I mean, it boiled down to no one really cared, you know, no one really cared to have those discussions with her. No one really cared to figure out why she didn't want to travel or why she couldn't travel or anything like that. Yeah, the resources are there. We have ITT. We have um you know other resources that you know airlines are cheaper overseas stuff like that we have the you know the government passport we have the hop stuff like that. we have all that stuff but um again just because it's available doesn't mean people are going to use it um and just you know sometimes getting down and, and down into the dirty and really figuring out what's going on is obviously what's going to open them up and, and everything else and um she probably put in the best work that she could um in our last six months together um, and she, you know, she left there happy. Um, you know, was it, was she the best airman? No, you know, she, but she put in a lot of hard work, uh, there in the end. And I didn't ask her to do any of it. I just, again, I just kind of bowled down and, and kind of figured out what was going on. Um, I've been stationed, you know, many different locations in every single place, just like most of us have, uh, every single place is different. Um, so you have to find out what's going to work with, you know, your location, your people, um, being in my position now, I'm generally around a lot of subordinates that have uh, family around because mm. that's why they get into recruiting or what have you to try to get back to their home set or get back to a location they're familiar with or what have you. So it's very different uh, in this aspect than it was before when, you know, I'm with a bunch of people who are uh, new to the area, don't have any family, friends within hundreds of miles or, or what have you. So. Um, but it's really just about getting down to the dirty and just really caring about your people and, and knowing what's going on. If you don't know who they're, you know, who's in their family, what their birthdays are, what they do on the weekend, what their activities are, hobbies are, you know, then, you know, it, it's going to be a tough time. That's, that's a great point. You know, sometimes too, I think the location, or not sometimes, uh, if you think a lot of times, I guess. So you think about the locations. Uh, so if the majority of the people at a location enjoy that, enjoy that location or what that location has to offer, I'm saying outside mission, right? Um, well, everybody's attitude's a little bit better. Uh, Keith, we'll, we'll use our location, right? Or a location like ours. Uh, Midwest, if that's what you want to call it, uh, West, whatever it's called. Uh, it's cold. It's windy. I don't know if you can hear it on the mic right now. I'm sitting in my awesome studio, which is an open room, and it echoes like crazy. It's amazing, right? Um, and there's wind outside. It blows like it, it irritated me really bad today. When I got out of the gym, I'm already in pain. Some of y'all know that. I'm already like bad back and I'm getting out. My truck door slams into me because of the wind. I was like, oh, I hate this place, you know, when it comes to the wind. And, uh, you know, so if, using that as an example, people can just start becoming like the environment. Their, their attitude, their emotions can become like the environment. If we use the cold, windy South Dakota, then I have seen supervisors and we'll use that just to, you know, kind of grade agnostic across all supervisory levels that aren't psychological 
uh, psychologically flexible. They are just like the environment that they're in. They're just like the piece of equipment that they work on or that they have to work on. Some of our airmen have to work on equipment that is, is of a dying breed of equipment uh, or a resource or you're not funded right. The supervisor's been doing this for eight years. The flight chief's been doing this for 10 or 12 years. You got a brand new airman comes in like me, like, I'm going to change the world. And they're like, shut up and go to work. This place sucks, right? That's honestly, that's how some of our areas are. Now, they might not say those very words. Some of them will say those very words, but that's how the airmen start to feel. So where I'm going with this is about vulnerability, right? And, and I'll tell a little bit of a story uh, and then kind of I want to kick it off for some discussion because our airmen last night that we had on the panel say, and it was in their closing comments. And when one airman said it, they all just kind of agreed on it. And I haven't been back on quarantine university to see what the comments, if they supported that or whatever, but uh, it was like, I just need to know that you're a real person. Sometimes I think supervisors walk around, uh, especially when you get to the senior NCO tier, you can't do any wrong. Everything has, you have to be having a good day every day. You can't ever be like, oh, it kind of sucks today. Uh, you feel like you can't, for whatever reason, and I want Charles' thoughts on that, so be thinking about that. Why are the senior NCOs, I swear I've seen it. You might've seen it at different levels. That's where I've seen it. Afraid that they can't be wrong. They can't, they can't have a bad day or, or whatever the case may be. But anyway, I was recently deployed. I was having a conversation with someone, and this is where it goes back to Jeb's point about getting to know people at the, at the human level or at the, personally what they've been through. And it was a discussion, I'm very just forward, and I, and I walked in, there was an NCO and an airman, happened to be this NCO rated on this airman, and we'll leave their career field out of it and all that kind of good jazz. Um, and uh, so I was just talking to them, you know, hey, how are you doing? Just getting to know them. You know, I'm, I'm the group chief there, so I, I can just run around any, any buildings, my building kind of thing and, and just talk to them. So then I was like, hey, so I'm very forward. What do y'all think about discrimination in the Air Force and racism? And they were like, a chief was asking of this for real. And so the one NCO uh, went into detail about it. And uh, this NCO is African-American and this NCO, or the airman is Caucasian. So I look over at the airman and I'm like, okay, what are your thoughts? Honestly, chief, I, I didn't even know there was a problem in, until you asked me that question. And the NCO was like, how do you say this? How do you not know? And I was like, hold on, time out. Uh, I'm getting somewhere with the story, bear with me. And I said, time out. Um, Young man, where are you from again? And this individual is from Wisconsin. And uh, I said, okay, how many African-Americans did you go to high school with? Did you have any African-Americans in high school with you? He's like, yeah, there was like four, four African-Americans I went to high school with. Honestly, I'll say hello in the hallway when I'm passing, but I, don't, I had no relationship there. We didn't play sports together, nothing like that. So then I look back over at the NCO and I'm like, he has no idea about your culture. He has no idea about the struggle, yet you expect him to understand everything about it. He can't control where he grew up, right? And I'm not picking sides. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying these two individuals who worked together for 12 hours at a time had never realized. So when he said the four, the, the stuff about, hey, I've only been around or I only grew up in high school with four African-Americans in our high school. This NCO did not know that that's where he had come from. I'm like, okay, no harm, no foul. Let's just get to know each other on a better level. So that's where this, I've been thinking about it for years, but it's more and more conversation like this that have sparked with me of, we don't really know each other. So when we say on the ACA that comes out, right, and you fill all that out and you think you know your airmen or your airmen think you know them or they know you actually don't know them. Um, so what are, our, what are your thoughts on that, right? I know I've kind of like, boom, there's a grenade on the table. It goes back to Jebba's point of do we really know what we think we know? Have we really connected? If we haven't, so if we, I see it as a problem, the human connection piece, obviously we're having this discussion. What do you think stops our NCOs or our supervisors from taking that step all the way over 
Uh, and what is your what are your thoughts on vulnerability? And uh, Jacob, I want to kick it back off with you. You were last on last time around, so we'll kick it off with Jacob's thoughts first, and then open panel from there. Man, that's a talk about an open-ended question. <laughs> Definitely a wide, wide array of, of, of topics there. Um, so I come from a, I come from an inner city, um, you know, and African Americans, Mexicans, Latinos, um, Asians. Um, I mean, all walks of life. Uh, actually, the high school that I went to, um, Caucasians were the minority. Um, so coming into the Air Force, I thought everyone experienced the same thing, if not something similar to. Um, coming from the inner city, I did know that obviously there were schools that, you know, were, it wasn't like that at all. Um, so I did, I, you know, I wasn't, you know, obviously blindsided to that, but so coming into the air force, I at least thought, you know, okay, we're in the air force. There's going to be a lot of diversity. It's going to be kind of a, a common conception that, you know, everything's good to go. Um, and honestly wasn't until, um, I got overseas and then figured out that that is not the case. Um, and Again, it was it was a hard subject for me to kind of tackle because I didn't really find it being an issue. Um, so honestly, it took just a lot of asking questions um, and finding that thing out actually that you were just mentioning where um, people just weren't aware, you know, that where they came from and where they're, you know, where they were born, where they were raised and all that. Um, and just trying to get to know what their perception is on on racism and diversity and, and kind of what their, their thoughts are with it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's unfortunately all I really have on that one, but a lot of it, a lot of it was just, a lot of it was just asking questions, to be honest. No, I appreciate it. Anyone else? I can hit on it a little bit. Um, so this topic has been shied away from so many people until recently, and it's very sad because you know, as technology has gotten better, we've seen more innocent people of color being killed. And I'm not trying to make this a, you know, people versus, you know, police thing. But every time that we've witnessed this happen, um, And I just witnessed this person get murdered on camera. And we all know how this goes. Uh, they're going to get off and, you know, we're going to repeat, repeat this cycle over and over. So as a person of color, we're, we have to live through that. And you have these people uh, that you may work with that are like, well, you shouldn't have done this. Or, and they don't really realize how that affects us. Um, so a little, bit, little backstory about myself. So I grew up in the uh, Department of Social Services for 10 years. So foster homes, group homes, you name it, I've been there. 10 years of that, um, parents, long gone. Um, so I grew up in Prince George's County, Maryland for, a, for a, a large period of time. Spent a lot of time there, predominantly African-American. And I spent a lot of time in a group home setting uh, in southwestern Virginia, which is total 180 and racism down there that I experienced for myself and my peers experience was just, I've never seen it that bad. I've always 
knew it was bad and you know we talk about it we were aware of it but what i experienced directly was just terrible and you know you have people in the air force that are just not aware of these things and sometimes it's hard having those conversations and a lot of people don't like to have those conversations but now more than ever you have to make people realize that you know when these things happen you know we're not okay about it and it's something that we deal with on a daily basis that's right so you're hitting right on being vulnerable right so that's where where i was going with that question right is having to be vulnerable in the fact that uh, I think Jebba, I think you pointed it out earlier, like, Hey, I don't know everything. Right. And one of the airmen we talked to last night had pointed that out too. It's like, Hey, we get it when you don't know it and we don't judge you for that. Right. I mean, if you don't know how to do the basic simple task of your AFSC as an NCO and you've been in it for X amount of years, then, then you probably should know that. Uh, but and when it comes to dealing with people and helping people and leading people and connecting with people, we don't have all the answers. My personality is not always going to be able to connect with someone else. And then I'm being fake if I try to change it too much, right? I need to alter it so I can connect with that person. But what I hear you saying, Omar, is being more vulnerable. And that's where, 100% right, that's where I'm trying to go with it is, why aren't we more vulnerable? Because you might have someone sitting there, and that's why I use that young man from Wisconsin, right? He doesn't know, or he didn't know what he didn't know. But he has to be vulnerable enough to say, hey, I, di I didn't even know there was a problem, right? So you see that at the younger airmen tier, but when they start getting a little bit older, more rank, our NCOs, our senior NCOs aren't so vulnerable anymore. It goes back to that point I was making about, hey, we think we can't fail, right? Curtis, what do, what do you think, man? Why, why do you think, if people are struggling with being vulnerable, what do you think stem, how, how do we break that? Um, well, one, we break that by understanding that it's okay to be vulnerable. That's where it first starts. It's really about self and looking at self and being willing to say, like was said by Jebba earlier, I don't know what I don't know but am I willing to learn? Am I willing to sit down and say, hey, I just wanna know about you. I wanna know where you come from. I wanna know something about how are we more alike than different, but in your difference, what is that superpower that makes you different and how can I appreciate it? Going to Omar's point, a lot of times, the problem is you can come from a different place. That's cool. But if you can't see wrong is wrong and a human life is a human life and what was done was incorrect, that's where people start to have issues and where it's quicker to blame someone else than to address the, the issues that you may have or that you have to be vulnerable and do some healing with yourself. And so it's easy to put up this wall because when you're vulnerable, that means you have to expose something about yourself as well. That means you have to give of yourself first. And you know, the saying goes, show me how you treat a waiter or show me how you treat someone that does nothing for you. And I can tell a lot about you. So when I'm, you know, when you're coming into a room and you're sitting down, you don't have to, more people are real respect the fact that you're sitting down and say, Hey, I don't know. Educate me. Tell me something about what's going on. I may know, like you said, I know my primary job. I'm pretty well versed in that. But I may not be aware of how to connect to someone. Maybe you are better at connecting with the group. Maybe you, like um, Cyan, is it Cyan? I don't want to butcher your name. But, you know, giving her Cyan. the- Cyan. giving her the ability to see that she's consistently doing something that is making a connection, that is improving the workforce, if I don't do anything else but champion that and say, hey, in my sphere, my left and right, 
I want to give you the time to keep doing it because I see what's going on and people want consistency. A lot of times we and we as leaders come in, we think that the first time, you know, chief, like you walk in and you say, hey, everybody, I'm the group chief. How you doing? Da, 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 da. If you do that and then I don't see you for three months, we're not going to have any, we're not going to have anything. I'm going to give you the respect of rank, but that heart to heart connection, that open door that when I'm really dealing something, I come in and knock on the door and say, chief, can I sit down and really talk to you? I'm not, we're not going to have that. But if you come around and you're just like, hey, I don't want anything. How's everybody doing? Hey, Curtis, last week you said you was going fishing, right? Did you catch anything? Oh, yeah, chief, I did. I, I did catch. What'd you catch? Oh, this is what I caught, da, 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 da. And then that's it. Oh, man, that's great, man. You know, I keep fishing. But if you're consistent with it, what you're doing is building that connection because you're showing that you're vulnerable enough to care just a little bit about what I'm doing. So being vulnerable means that I'm willing to sit down and show you a little bit of what I'm going through, you know, and as leaders saying that, hey, I haven't always had my money together. Hey, I haven't always came to a base and knew everything to do the first time. Like I had to find out where to buy a car. And actually I talked to an A1C who had been there and they helped me find the right car. I didn't know how to find a house. And, you know, I had to, I didn't know how to drive around the base. And luckily somebody that was a senior airman showed me how to get to and from. But now people see that heart to heart connection. You look real. And in today's time, people are not leaving the Air Force. People are quitting people because we don't want to show our heart first. We feel like if I leave with my heart, then again, that word, I'm going to be vulnerable. But we have been programmed to think if I'm vulnerable, you're going to take advantage of me. Compared to if I'm vulnerable, you're going to have a deeper connection with me. And we can, we is better than me. That was a great, great point. Uh, you know, that goes back to what I was asking earlier about why is it that, uh, so I'm, it sounds like y'all have seen the same things I've seen. Why, I wonder why people are that way. They think, you know, like you said, I guess, Curtis, that, hey, well, somebody's going to take advantage of me. Uh, and maybe it's just that first step that's so hard. Uh, Jeb, I'd like so, some more of your thoughts on it when we, because, you know, you originally got a spun on this, not spun, but on this side of the conversation with really connecting personally with people. Um, do you have advice uh, about vulnerability? I know you were talking a little bit before the show uh, about some of the things that you're just stepped, you have stepped through. Um, and, and how have you seen that play out or pay off, so to speak, it kind of maybe as a way to say, hey, if you're out there watching this right now or whenever, and you know what? I hear you. I read a book one time by Brene Brown, and she said vulnerability was good. I watched that TED Talk, uh, and I hear these senior NCOs on here. It's so easy to sit at this house and talk about it. Um, it's so much different. I, I'm afraid about being vulnerable. Maybe somebody that's been vulnerable that uh, could share their experiences. Maybe if I just heard that. So I don't know. Let's give them, let's give them that. Let's give them something of, hey, this, this is a, uh, an example of being vulnerable and, and how it didn't get, I didn't get taken advantage of. This is how it paid off, so to speak, in helping me connect with, with those around me. Um, I, I, first of all, I wanted to kind of uh, give Cyan some props, and I'll probably be reaching out to you uh, after this to kind of just get more information about your, your forum that you're having over there. So kudos to doing that. Um, and again, just kind of look at, she's a staff sergeant, right? So a majority of us are senior NCOs. And I think a lot of times it starts with something as small as that, you know, um, just acknowledging what she's done at her level. And Curtis also mentioned, you know, we've been programmed 
to not show vulnerability, right? And then I look at someone like Cyan, who is a young NCO, and she's already taking the charge and leading discussions where she's inviting um, not only her peer group, right, but other senior NCOs and other senior leaders in her organization. So I think it, it starts there. We don't always, I mean, we've seen all our senior leaders taking a stand um, and, you know, showing that it's okay to seek help, to go to mental health, to have these discussions. Um, but it does start with us. And it doesn't have to be something on a grand scale. It could be something as, as small as just, you know, sharing a story. Um, you know, finding that, that connection with that airman or that NCO to where it may not be the same experience, but that emotion, that feeling, you can kind of relate to that. And so um, those are some things that I've done in small doses, right? Because again, this is something that's gonna happen overnight. Uh, you do have to kind of, you know, assess, do some self-assessment, see what you're comfortable with, with sharing. Uh, we kind of had that discussion early on, right? So uh, we talked about the Facebook Live and, you know, we're out having a discussion right now. Some people, you know, it's, it's, it's simple. They just get on the Facebook Live and they're having these conversations. But for, there's some people out there that still aren't comfortable with uh, getting on live social media and having these discussions. Um, but admitting that vulnerability, you know, and saying, hey, I'm not comfortable um, in having these discussions. Um, but this is how, you know, again, that could be that small conversation that exchanged where an airman or an NCO may relate. Uh, for me, you know, let's say coming up through the ranks, you can share uh, an instance to where maybe you didn't know how to delegate. It could be something as simple as that to where you have an NCO who may be looking to you and now they feel they have to do it all. And now I can share that story on, hey, it's okay to kind of find uh, something where you can use it as a mentorship opportunity and say, hey, you know, I went through this period where, you know, I felt the need to where I had to do all the work that made me feel, you know, confident. It, it made my leadership think that I, you know, I was doing a great job. But in sense, you know, I burnt out early. Um, you may hear that term a lot. And this is how I started to burn out. You know, I wasn't able to focus on a job. So again, just showing a little sense of vulnerability is just sharing a story. It doesn't mean that it's a sign of weakness. Um, but again, it's letting your airmen or your peers know that you are a human being. It is okay to feel. Um, it's okay to show that emotion. I think a lot of times we do hide behind the uniform, behind the stripes. Um, but it's okay to kind of put that aside. At the end of the day, we're all human beings behind the uniform. No, that, that, that's amazing. No, that's a, a great perspective too. Is, uh, you know, I wonder sometimes too, you know, we, we have focused this, and like I said at the top of the hour, we're focusing this down to our junior rank and airmen of what they're going through and what they're experiencing. But our NCOs go through it too. Cyan could probably vouch for that. I know what I felt like as an NCO, uh, again, from a large career field uh, within a large community, within the civil engineer community. Uh, and you're, you make staff sergeant, and I had airmen before I made staff sergeant, or before I pinned staff sergeant on, right? Security forces that way, aircraft maintenance is that way. So I felt like, for, for one, I had some good leadership coming up, right? And I had some that weren't so good, but I had some good leadership coming up in the Air Force. But nobody had these types of discussions with us, right? Again, you could look back and say, hey, that was just one of those, uh, our culture, we don't, we don't sit down and sing kumbaya. And that's where a lot of people think this is, and they think I'm talking about uh, you know, the uh, Codling Corporation. No, we're United States Air Force. We're the most powerful force on the face of the earth. I don't care what the Marines say and the Army say. I know they got some big bombs and big bu or big bullets, but we got some stuff that'll wipe you off the face of the earth, right? So there's a piece of what we do is everything that we're geared for is to support and defend the Constitution of the United States, right? And don't get me fired up on that, but uh, we have to take care of people. We can't support and defend the Constitution of the United States if we don't have people to do that, right? To run our technologies, to make the technologies even grow further. So again, our NCOs can get hammered 
with extra responsibility. Now you're telling me to take care of people and get to know people. And I got to know their birthdays and nobody ever knew my birthday. And you got, there's some, some cogs that don't necessarily go well together. Um, and, and so I know we're about an hour. I think Facebook might kick us off in an hour, but we're going to keep going, right? As long as if I've said at the top of the hour for you guys as well, if you got to drop off, I get it. I know you got other things going on, but I want to continue the conversation, whether Facebook kicks us or not, they'll get to see the video later. Yes, sir. Go ahead, Curtis. Hey, so real quick, I know you, you, you said if someone had to watch this, you know, giving them something about what they could do. Mm -hmm. And I want to share something that I utilize and this kind of my canned, a way to be able to connect. Going back to what Jebba said, what's your name? You know, if you take the time when somebody first walks in, how people are first greeted is kind of what's programmed of how the rest of their time is going to go. So it's nothing worse than someone's been somewhere for two weeks and no one knows that this is a new person. So kind of, hey, what's your name? After that, where are you from? And sometimes I've heard, you know, it's like, okay, where am I from base or where am I from born? And it's like, give me both because the base gives me a connection because maybe I've been there or maybe I know someone there. And then where you're from gives me a connection because it lets me know, like you said earlier, how did you grow up? So that can give me the perspective of maybe you've never seen this. Maybe it hasn't been diverse. Maybe it wasn't very inclusive. So got it. So I can put that in my back pocket and then tell me three things you like to do. And the only reason I'm doing that is deliberately for the connection, because if I know what you like to do, maybe it doesn't help me at the time, but if I see you struggling, maybe I can link you up with someone else who also likes to hike or someone else who likes to play video games or someone else that likes to play guitar or chess, because now I can start to connect you to people that do something similar to what you do. And it lets me know that, hey, we may have a connection. Maybe I've been looking for someone that plays piano and you come in like, yep, I was classically trained in piano. Oh, wow, man. You know, I've been looking to get back into piano. Can we set up something? And now, because that's what you're passionate about, I have a connection to allow you to work in your superpower to say, hey, you know what? Air Force Ball is coming up. Maybe they're looking for a musician. Hey, would you like to be able to showcase playing the Air Force song or playing the national anthem on the piano. If they say yes, great, because now they're able to use what they enjoy doing, what they're passionate about. Air Force gaming is becoming big. So when you find out there are people that are big into gaming, instead of like you said, Chief shunning it, hey, listen, I just found out that they got an Air Force gaming competition. Would you like to participate? Oh, yes, I would. Great, here's the information, let's sign you up, let's get it going. At the end, all of that, that all of that helps you because when you really need to talk to them, you've made a connection. They feel vulnerable. They feel safe enough to come and say, because you gave something to me, I'm going to give something back. So those questions have opened up, you know, so many people to be able to have a conversation and then repeating it. I do that all the time. Three days. It takes me three days to go over it. And then I ask, I ask them, how did I do? Oh, you, you remember two out of three. Okay, what was the third one that I missed? And then I do it again. And when you see them light up, like you care enough to know something about me when you didn't have to, the connection right there, they'll run through a brick wall after that. It doesn't surprise me you say that at all, Curtis. Uh, when you talked about, as an example, if I walked through and said, 
uh, you know, trying to get to know you and then I don't, you don't see me for three months and you're hundred percent right. And that does take me to a, uh, and, and thank you for getting this kicked off Curtis, cause that was the next iteration of question. I kind of want to hear what works for you as a person to give some real examples to, to our NCOs, our supervisors in the field. Uh, if you've got a process on your base, I want to hear about that as well. But let's be honest, we've all said it. There might be a process and to be the world's best, but if you don't have people, inspired, passion-driven people in those positions to make those processes work, then it's just another whatever, right? Another checkbox. And that's exactly how I'm going to feel. But no, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me you say that, Curtis. Uh, and just so everybody's uh, tracking, we can talk about this again later at the end of the show. I want to do a one-on-one with each one of y'all. Y'all are just full of wisdom. And I know our audience will be able, the audience at large, the Air Force at large, be able to, because we could deep dive on some of these things uh, to, to really get after them. But sometimes I wonder too, as you're thinking about what you want to share with what works for you, like Curtis did, or what works for at your organization, or some of the unique things you're doing. And Keith, I know you had a lot of stuff you wanted to share as well. Uh, Robert, We'll start off with you because I know your internet connection's kicking, uh, kicking you on and off. Um, but but before we do that, I kind of wonder sometimes too, and it's not because I'm a chief mass sergeant. I, I'm in a group of, of over 1,500 people. There's no way, Curtis, if you're in my group, unless me and you just click and I go see, and then it becomes, oh, that's one of his boys, right? So I have to be careful with that perception piece. But 1,500 people, there's no way. So for our audience, listen, if we got young airmen out there, and our airmen we talked about last night, if your group chief, even your squadron chief, if you've got a huge squadron, right? That's why we have the different tiers of ranks. And I'm not saying to just, I don't, I don't, there's no way for me to know everybody. So if I see Curtis, I'm not talking to Curtis. Uh, and I'm not saying that at all, but just keeping it in a realistic perspective. How much do you expect Caleb to know about you, right? Um, I need to know about those chiefs in our group. And for me in a group position, I need to know all the chiefs at the same level. We're talking about knowing our youngest airmen, what makes them tick? What do they struggle with? What are they scared of? Because we all human, we all have fears. And oh my God, you want to talk about scaring some people. They don't want to talk about that in public. Like, I'll tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of losing my family. Stuff like that, right? So anyway, uh, the pressures that we put on those above us. Again, Robert, you had a great uh, point, And I want to talk to you in depth on a one-on-one about what we think the Air Force should start looking after. Um, but I'm not just, and I know you're not saying this, brother, but I'm sitting there and saying, well, until the commander shows up and, and cares, then... Me as a supervisor, I'm not going to care, right? We're not saying that at all. So understanding the level uh, and, and the expectations. And uh, Cyan, you did a great job of pointing out, hey, I need to be the bridge because Caleb ain't going to be able to be everywhere. He's not going to be able to get to know my airman or the airman in my section like I can. So thanks for highlighting that. So again, y'all should have had your thoughts collected by now. I rambled for you uh, for a little bit. So Robert, we'll start with you on, uh, I don't know if you were picking up the audio or not, but on things that either work for you and advice that you would give to supervisors in the field on how to connect better and or things that you've seen installations do that work really well uh, when powered by the right people. Yeah, hopefully you can hear me okay. If you can, give me a thumbs up. I, I got so many people on this DSL internet connection that uh, we, we, are, we live out in the country, so we are working it. You have no idea. Um, so uh, I'll, leave you, I'll leave you with a, a kind of a quick story that I share with people. Hopefully you get it all through. It's called the magic of a mini Twix. And um, it goes back to whenever I was a master sergeant. And I was really struggling. I had a lot of mental health issues. I was struggling at home. I had just got through with a bunch of deployments in a row and I was finally kind of getting back to know my family. Went to a very poisonous work environment and my mental health declined significantly. I went to the hospital for suicidal thoughts. I lost all the hair on my head because of alopecia areata. I developed an autoimmune disease. And I, I remember every once in a while, um, I would come around the corner of my cubicle. I hated being there. I hated my life. And on my keyboard would be this one little mini Twix. 
Um, and that's my favorite candy. I don't know why, but I like the mini twits the best. And every time that I saw it sitting there, I knew that somebody thought about me in a positive way and that they cared about me. And I got to tell you, that made more of a difference to me than anything else anyone could have done because they just went out of their way for an extra 10 seconds to put that on. And, and that's what I, I see as connection. It's not the big things. It's not the Air Force wide thing. It's the whoever that person was taking 10 seconds to put my favorite treat on my keyboard that reminded me that I was cared about and thought of in a positive way. Um, and we all have our things, right? Some of us, we like, uh, I, one, one uh, CSS I worked with, her thing was flaming Hot Cheetos, man. So anytime I, I, I felt like she needed to show, be shown some extra appreciation because she was killing it with our orders, I'd go get her a bag of flaming Hot Cheetos and I would make sure that that was on her desk. And I, could, I watched her smile every time she saw that whenever she came to her desk. And so that, that created connection for me. And I think that's really where it starts. Um, and that's where, you know, we, we start to build those fibers. It's those little bitty things that just put a smile on your face or a chill to your body that says, oh, man, like, that is so cool. And I'm sure somebody had a bag of mini Twix somewhere. I, I never found them. I ate them all, right? But, uh, but somebody went and they, and they did that for, just for me. And, and I think if we can do that, and we can, right, at the staff sergeant level, at the master sergeant level, at every single level in the Air Force, we can do those small little things by just knowing a little bit about our people to remind them that they're cared about, um, I think that that will, uh, that will have a ripple effect across our force. That's great. Appreciate it. Uh, Cyan, let's go to you. I know you've been stuck in that car. It can't be that comfortable. Uh, so let's, let's go to you and, and uh, hear your thoughts on this. That way, if you've got to run, uh, then, then I don't blame you at all. I wouldn't stay in a car that long. <laughs> Thank you. It's not too bad, but yeah. <laughs> um, I love that that Twix idea, just the idea of uh, knowing a little treat that someone likes and, and giving that to them when they're feeling down. Um, so now I have Let's Talk that has been going really well um, within my squadron. Um, I used to work in my squadron CSS um, back when like, clearances took forever to, to go through. So I was there for a really long time. It was really discouraging for me and it helped me to like kind of be like a little positive influence on everyone else's days. I would put up a sign and it said free high fives. And um, actually uh, a senior master in my spot and she'd come in, she was always super excited to give me a high five and have me like mark it down because I would tally how many high fives I got that day. Um, and that was, that was really cool. Um, uh, we also have, just a, a little thing where we share uh, a goal that, or a small goal that we accomplished during the week. Like recently, I've been organizing my cabinets because I watched this Netflix show about um, getting organized and buying a bunch of containers and putting all these little things inside containers and putting those containers inside bigger containers. And it's crazy. It makes you look like you're a psychopath because all your stuff is organized. But um, that was one of my little small victories, finishing that. Um, <laughs> so sharing that is, is really nice. And um, that's, that's really what I've been doing. I am definitely considering adapting the, the uh, magic of the mini clicks. So that was really cool. 
Uh, thank you for sharing. And, and so I definitely want to hear more. Uh, maybe when we do a one-on-one, I uh, can hear more about the programs. Uh, I, I hate to say programs, but uh, those things in which you're doing at your level, at, at your base, I should say, uh, and how you're making an impact. So, because I, I know a lot of other people could benefit from that. Sometimes all people need is just a, the idea or to see somebody. And there's so much information out there right now. You get bombarded by whatever the algorithm is that shows it up on your social media feed, whatever platform that is. And you never hear the greatness of science doing potentially, right? So, uh, we'll try to deliver. We'll, we'll we'll get that information from you if you're willing, and we'll talk about this later. But uh, and then I won't say force feed, but kind of put it out there. And I, I'm I'm good about just repeating stuff until somebody's like, "That gummit, let me read it then." Uh, so anyway, uh, thanks thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Omar, over to you. A uh, few things. So uh, one of the ways that I connect with people, basketball chief. If I'm not mistaken, I want to say that's how we first connected. Uh, either we were on the same team in the gym, uh, early morning PT, or uh, you were on the opposite team and I was busting y'all up, whatever that's, the case. That's exactly be. not the truth. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, that's right. He's right. Yeah. So uh, I think that's how I grew my connection with you. And then uh, when I was in charge of uh, Airmen Against Drunk Driving at Moody, and you guys asked me to come speak to your squadron at a commander's call, I was pumped. I was like, hell yeah, I'll come speak to the to the CES, you know, Chief Vaden's my guy, I'll come speak to them, and whatever they need, I'm there. Where I'm at now, um, I wanna say that it's probably the best job I've ever done in the Air Force. I have the chance to, to lead in my capacity in uh, one deep slot, doing safety. One of the things that I do every single day is uh, wherever, something as simple as picking up the phone, I'll say, Hey, Sergeant Salih speaking, how can I help you? And that's every time I pick up the phone, I say, how can I help you? Uh, the next thing I do, I walk around and I make every single effort after I finish my coffee to speak to every single airman in the building. And if I got, if nothing's burning on my radar, I'll make my way out to the flight line, talk to every single airman that I can. Uh, just small talk, right? Because sometimes, you know, if they've been out there working on the flight line all day, or you know crew and jets whatever the case may be sometimes they just want to sit down maybe have a good small conversation with you so i think that conversation piece is something that i'm really good at i'm really good at talking to people i have to be in my job because i mean the way i like to put it is you have to put the relationship over the regulations because when i come around i have to make sure things are safe i have to you know make sure things are up to par but if I put the relationship over the regulation and I focus on that relationship, then the regulation is going to take care of themselves because they know I'm here, you know, to help them. So uh, I think that's the my biggest piece is building that relationship uh, because majority of the time, you know, work is going to take care of itself. But that relationship could make or break however, you know, your day, week, month, year is going to turn out. <laughs> Very good. And and Omar, thanks for reminding me. I, so if y'all have seen me, I've been making notes, like I print stuff out and then I make notes all over it. So it's, it's uh, in case anybody's ever wondering, it's because it's old ticker, right? Um, so I love your relationship over regulation. I think Chief Bass would love that too. Um, so what I would like from all of y'all, if you can make a quick note in a mental note, because y'all are all younger than me and y'all can remember things a lot better than I can. Um, 
uh, shoot me your favorite quotes. When I push this back out on uh, QU, uh, I'll put your favorite quotes in there too. Uh, the ones that you've used on here because I haven't written everybody's down. Uh, but anyway, so thanks for thanks for sharing that. And y'all, Omar does have a good jump shot. It's a pretty jump shot until it gets close to the rim and then it's ugly. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. He's really good. Um, back in my day, though, back in my day, I could run a little bit. And I could I could jump. I could get at least half an inch off the floor, and I'm already really tall, so it wasn't hard. Uh, but but those days are behind me, Omar. If we cross in the streets again, I'm just going to let you have the ball, man. You have to play one of my sons. He's he's much better than me. My back is is broken, and I'm old. I'll cr- decrepit, man. But no, thanks. I won't be up too bad, Chief. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, all right, Jacob, let's go to you for your thoughts, man. So my last, uh, my last few assignments have actually been uh, in a GSU, globally separated unit, pretty much working away from uh, my squadron, working away from my peers, working away from uh, my subordinates, what have you. Um, so it's honestly been the last, man, my f- about six, three, yeah, about six, seven, eight years ago, um, I was working, I wasn't working near anybody. The closest coworker was about an hour without traffic. Um, boss was about two hours, you know, and stuff like that. And then now I'm in that position too. So trying to connect with people, it's very easy to hide behind a cell phone um, through text messages, through group messaging, through Zoom calls, you know, what have you. Um, and then you kind of get bogged down again with that daily activity. Uh, and just like Omar was saying, you know, he goes out and about and kind of walks around, chat with chat with everybody, what have you. And and I definitely make sure I make that a point as well. Um, when I call people, I can easily be like, hey, I need this or don't forget about this or hey, this week we got to work on this. Um, but I essentially just try to ask, you know, how you doing? What's going on? How was your weekend? You know, stuff like that. And then sometimes we get so deep into a conversation, it'll be the next day. And I'm like, hey, man, did I ask for this or that? And then, no, I didn't, because we got so deep in the conversation the day before that completely forgot to even talk about it. Um, So, yeah, it's just more about making sure, you know, I I make that point to kind of make those phone calls and and stuff like that, Um, because it is, it's easy to get distracted out here, um, especially when you don't have that constant, um, you know, interaction with other people or that, you know, where you're constantly walk out to go to the bathroom. You're like, oh man, I, you know, I need to go talk to so-and-so. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely try to make that a, try to make that a key point. You know, it's something you bring up too is, uh, I think, uh, so Tori, she wasn't able to be on today. Uh, one of the first sergeants that I know, uh, there's only so much that you can do in zoom world. Right. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm getting to know y'all better, the ones that I don't mm-hmm. already know. Uh, but there is something about, no kidding, human connection, human interaction within a close proximity of each other, you know, occupying the same space kind of thing. No doubt. Um, that, that we're just not able to do right now uh, because of the pandemic and, and, and of all the things and restrictions that are going on, right? Not going down that road, but just in the piece of it's really hard to connect. So sometimes it's awkward, man. I can talk on this much better than I can pick up a phone. Like if I was going to pick up a phone and call you, Jacob, I'd rather FaceTime you. But that's just me um, where I'd be like, Hey, um, how's, uh, your mom and them, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's awkward for some <laughs> people to do that. Yeah. I've done it for years now where I'm okay with it, but I'm a face to face. Omar, I tell you, I'm a face to face person. I, he'd get more accomplished with me on a basketball court, uh, than, than if you called me on a phone. Right. Uh, just because I'm like, Oh, the phone. Um, but, but it's in this space that we're in. Thank you for making that call. I know they appreciate it. Uh, uh, but you know, it's, it's something that hopefully we can get back to right where we can, get back to that true human interaction. But in the meantime of not just saying, Hey, it's not the same. So I'm not going to do anything. 
So keep doing what you're doing uh, and keep connecting. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, Keith, we're going to kick it over to you, brother. So, um, you know, things that work for me is I give my, I give my cell phone number out to everybody and I do a lot of videos. I do a lot, a lot of live streams and I try to put myself out as often as possible with really one goal in mind is to make sure people know I'm available because I was almost kicked out of the military as a young airman. A lot, a lot of trouble. I hated the military, my first enlistment. Um, I have seen the worst in, in some people during my younger part of my enlistment. So when we, when we talk about these things, you know, we give people resources, but some people, regardless of what you give them, aren't going to, to try it. I think it's important to talk about that because I want our younger staff sergeants and airmen to know that you might be dealing with a difficult person, but I can promise you, please, please, please reach out across the wing because there are people that care. There are people that have your back. There are people that are going to point you in the right direction, right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't spend a day doing something that you're not happy doing. And I'm, a, I'm also a very firm believer that you could be out in the middle of, of nowhere you know, and still have a really good time out in the middle of nowhere. And it just depends on who you're with and, and what type of leaders that are there to connect to everybody. Um, so, yeah, the Internet and then we have Zoom and all this stuff. And there's a lot of live streaming uh, things that we're doing here, you know, in Ellsworth. Sure. Right. But the whole point of that is, is really just to get people to to open up a little bit. Oh, here's Sergeant Heimerich. So he's been in for a little bit. Maybe let me just shoot him a message real quick. And that message starts a, a lasting relationship because it's, it's all about relationships, you know, and uh, we all have to remember that tomorrow is not guaranteed and we are going to hang up this uniform. We blink and we hang up this uniform, really. So it's not my Air Force any, anymore. It's theirs. So anything that I can do to help them out, to show them that face your fears, push forward, people are going to judge you regardless of what you do. Um, so just do your very best to be you, just be you, because that's what the Air Force needs and push past that fear of being judged by other people because it's going to happen regardless. Um, but that's really my big piece, honestly, is just be you. I appreciate it, Keith. So a uh, quick shout out to you. Um, I I've seen you in action, man, over the last, uh, what has it been, about a year and a half? Has it been that long? I don't know. Time is all, I'm all discombobulated on the time when, when you got in the career assistance advisor seat. Uh, so Keith coming from, like he said, uh, from the uh, POL world, right? Um, and and stepping into the career assistance advisor role, uh, absolutely perfect fit for that, brother. And and I know you. a lot of people know that, and you can see it on the base. Not only on this base, it's, it's out and about. So any career assistance advisor new to the game or old in the game, uh, you have any questions, it, it would behoove you to hit up uh, Keith because he's got a lot of great information. And, and you're 100% right, man. I, I see how you connect with the airmen and, and I'm not the only one that sees that. So keep doing what you're doing because the airmen appreciate it and, and they need that. Uh, so thanks for all that you do for here, for us here at Ellsworth and then across the force, man. Um, all right. I, Curtis, are you looking for a round two? Uh, since you got us kicked off, you thought of more things? Because I'm going to end with Jebba. So have you thought of something else you were trying to say? I, I saw you down there adjust your hat a couple of times and twitch. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I definitely need to go. I need to go before Jebba because, you know, she's a home run hitter. So okay. let me just get on base uh, before she goes. Um, you know, following up again with what we can use, a lot of times we hear – you know, I love Simon Sinek. I love Eric Thomas, Inky Johnson, all these great motivational leaders. But a lot of times it's difficult because 
we don't have tangible things that we can use at our disposal. And so another thing that I wanted to share is what I call now packaging production and purpose in the feedback. A lot of times we feel like we can only give feedback, you know, those times when we're doing the ACA, we, you know, we're in the regulations and I'm glad I saw the, you know, people before processes. But what if we use the feedback to give positive feedback as well? That we didn't just wait until, you know, right before your performance report or right after or right when it's something is negative. What about every time we saw, we was able to observe somebody doing a great job, we started building a positive feedback pile. So now, if I'm doing that, when it's time that I have to give some corrections, you feel like I've deposited more positive coins in the, the piggy bank than negative. So especially when you're working with someone to bring them along, hey, listen, and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be corny, it doesn't have to be cheesy. It could be, hey, listen, I've observed you over the last two to three weeks. You, you've been knocking it out the park. I want to show you where you're doing a great job. I want to show you what you've done to contribute to the mission, how you've helped. Here, here's this feedback. And keep doing it. And then if I do have to do some corrections, you know it's coming from a place that we have a connection. You know, you know it's coming from a place that I want to improve you, not that I'm trying to cut you down. And so just listening to the, you know, the connections between you and Omar and being on the basketball court and understanding each other and Keith and all of that. If you did have to go and speak in a situation that wasn't right, they're more open to listen because there's some glue between each other, you know. And so when looking at things, we use what we have. If you have airmen, set you a time, be consistent and say, you know what? If on Mondays, Motivation Mondays, I'm going to take whatever time I have, if it's two hours, and I'm going to give feedback on what was done last week what was seen good, what do we need to improve, and how can we go forward? So now people have something that they can look at and say, hey, okay, you know what? I know where my leadership wants me to go, and they're giving me tangible results with what tools we already have. So now if you do have to advocate for someone, if you do have to put them a BTZ or, or you know, use them to promote them, you can say, hey, listen, this is what this person's been doing. Mm -hmm. I've been talking to them. I've been walking with them, working with them. This is what my person has done. And this is what we've done so they know their left and their rights. It's real hard to, you know, I like to use another quote, you can't argue excellence. And now people know what you're passionate about. They know, and it helps you. So when you come in the room, people all met, they've already start to police themselves because they're like, hey, chief knows he's big on being on time. He's big on being interaction. He's big on standards and discipline because this is what he's championing. I like to say whatever entertains you, trains you. So we're going to talk about it. And so now when we come to have a feedback for real, it's very simple because we're always shooting fire, adjusting, and we're keeping going. So, you know, like, uh, I, I'm not going to butcher her name again, but seeing someone like her, she got me motivated because like you said, as a group chief, you can't know everyone. But the fact that she's a bridge, hey, with what you've been doing, talk to me. What have you seen? Taking 30 minutes to sit down, hey, what have you seen? 
oh, this is what I've seen, chief. This is this. This is what's been going on. I've opened this person up. Perfect. You're my person of power that I can't get to that level, but I, but I know the energy and the focus that you have. You can give me real quick. Next week, I want to meet you at Friday from 10 to 11. I just want feedback. No, that's, that's perfect. Curtis, I'm telling you, man, you got a book, bro. Like, I don't know. I don't know your rank exactly. You don't have to share it on here. Are you past the ALS instructor, the PME for uh, NCO Academy? I mean, I don't know, brother. You got some, some wisdom that needs to be shared. I know your sections are locked down tight. I guarantee you that uh, when it comes to taking care of people. So what you just described, if, if I could, cause I think we overuse mentorship, man, let, let me just one second. If I could have all the mentorship that was on our EPRs and OPRs, if I could take every one of those bullets, right, and an amount of people, like mentor 500 people. Yeah, I want to see that. Mentor 500 people, save $5 million. So you add all the OPRs, EPRs up, we don't have an F-35 problem. AI is not a problem. We're using artificial intelligence, SpaceX. We got people, boots on the moon, whatever. You know, nobody needs no mentorship because everybody done been freaking mentored. These paper tigers out here. But you, what you just described was, Truly coaching and mentorship. That's what you just described. More of our Air Force needs to be on board with that. I'm not saying that we're, there's a huge gap, but more people need to be locked into that. And something else you hit on, Curtis, I'm sorry, you got me fired up, man. You're inspiring me. Um, and that's dangerous because I'll be running my mouth a lot. Um, it's easy. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Simon Sinek, John C. Maxwell, you name it. I'm not saying any of these uh, leadership gurus, if you will, could not do what we do. I'm not saying they couldn't sit in your shoes, Curtis, or in my boots or whatever, and not lead airmen. But man, it's easy to get up there and be like, care about your people. And I can, I can get on a roll, brother, but then go execute it. Like you're saying, what does the execution of that look like? So thanks, Curtis. I really appreciate that. Man, I'm looking forward to our one-on-one, man. We're going we gonna to get after it. Um, something else you talked about, and, uh, and, and Jeb, you, you're going to knock this out of the park for us. Time. Keith talked about it too. Slow down. He, when he said, what do you, what do you say? Uh, people over processes, right? Omar said, you know, relationships over regulation. Because what, and we're all in this go, 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 go. And our society, the American society or culture, if you will, is all about go, get it done. And if you're spending time in more Asian cultures, I, when I was in Japan, it's nap time and lunchtime. I was like, how are you sleeping? Like, I got work to do. But man, they, they show me how to be more productive. Um, so anyway, we're, we're always go, go, go. And we just need to slow down. We've been on here, I think, for like an hour and 28 minutes or something like that. The Taliban hadn't kicked in my back door over here. Uh, our peer enemies aren't dropping bombs on us. Now, I know the whole Air Force can't shut down every day for two hours. But what I'm getting at is just take the time uh, to slow down and get to know people. You and, and Omar both hit on that really well. Uh, so thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Jeva, what you got for us? Now, um, I have just been blown away with just everyone's input today. Um, Omar, uh, first and foremost, just sharing your story. Um, again, we don't, we don't dive deep enough into a lot of our life experiences. And, you know, each one of us just acknowledging that we're all, you know, we're shaped by our cultural identities and locating our life experiences, just how you're raised. And, um, yeah, definitely, I'm looking forward to a part two. So definitely we need to keep these conversations going. Um, and to you, Curtis, what you mentioned too, I would like to even add, and this is something that's already in the Brown book, right? Uh, deliberate development, right? It's kind of buried in there. And I know a lot of times we don't really hack at it enough. Um, we talk about feedback and mentorship quite a bit, but I think one of the things that you kind of hit on is being more deliberate, right? In our feedbacks. It doesn't, I mean, you did great, you did not so great, but then how do we meet in the middle? Um, and I can speak for myself. I mean, obviously, maybe you all can't tell, but 
Uh, French is my primary language, so I actually had to learn English. Uh, so joining the military, I kind of always shied away from public speaking. And uh, before becoming a flight attendant, I was a personnelist. So before, you know, virtual MPF came online, we had to do the the one-on-one -on -one briefings, you know, if everyone was going overseas, you had to brief like over a hundred people. I, yeah, that was, that was definitely not me. Um, but I had a master sergeant that, you know, she pushed me, you know, this is your AFSE. Um, I'm going to have Emeril Ansana go and do the, the PCS mass briefings. So, you know, I think back to, you know, back in that time, and that's something that's always stayed with me as well. Um, but she, I mean, it's, it's, it was my job. And so you are gonna start, you know, granted they had the NCOs doing the briefings, but that was, that was her approach for my deliberate development, right? So she had Emeril Ansana go with the NCO and do the PCS briefings and it started there. Um, but it built that confidence because it was my job. It was something I was learning to do, um, but it wasn't just doing the updates. Now I was actually the face to where, you know, I became a counselor and I could advise, you know, airmen on their assignments, you know, how to do humanitarian assignments. So, you know, going back to what you said, Curtis, the feedback piece is, um, let's get back to being more deliberate on how we develop, um, not only our airmen, but, you know, ourselves, you know, our peers and our leaders as well. Um, you know, saying the word thank you. So granted, you know, I've lost touch with, you know, that master sergeant, but that's something that stuck with me. So, you know, I'm paying it forward today um, in having this discussion you know, over Zoom. So that's something that I'm carrying with me now and I'm paying it forward. So when we talk about um, servant leadership, I think that just kind of sums it up perfectly what we're doing online today. So that's all I have. That's, that's amazing. No, thank you. Thank you all uh, for being on here. I'm gonna look real quick. I've been trying to keep up with it on my phone. I almost shut us down earlier because I was on Wi-Fi with my laptop and my phone and that it was like, it's kind of like Robert out there. It was like no go. I mean, my my kids and my boys left the house because they're like, Dad, because I told them, I said, we had a Zoom call yesterday and they can't play Xbox when I'm on Zoom. You know, that's that's anarchy, borderline up in this house, you know. And uh, I'm like, man, this house is so open, you got to keep it down. And then uh, today they just left the house. They're like, we're gone, Dad. You're doing another one? Yeah, we're gone. Uh, so anyway, I got the phone pulled up here. I'm looking at, I don't see any uh, questions. There was one comment from uh, Christopher Cope. Uh, not sure if you're still on uh, or not, Christopher, uh, but he puts on here, Depending on the level of ownership, this one we were talking about getting to know your people on the different levels, right? Uh, it looks like that's when it was commented on. Uh, ownership, the superintendent, section chief, commander uh, should sit with each new member to talk about the person and not the airman. Uh, and he uses it like not talking just about the uniform, right? About the person. Uh, you're 100% right, Christopher. I know everyone on the panel agrees with that. We just uh, discussed it about, hey, take the time to slow down and get to know your people. I know as a squadron superintendent, uh, we 100% did that in our unit uh, and civil engineer uh, squadron uh, down there at Moody. We'd bring people in and talk to them every PME. So if you aren't doing this and you're listening to this, just take it as advice uh, and, and do with it what you feel is necessary. Uh, before you go to PME, we would sit, me and the commander in the shirt would sit and talk to you. Uh, when the civilian deputy was available, we'd bring him into the fold as well uh, to have these discussions. When you get back, I would do the follow-up. I do exit uh, interviews as well or exit surveys because, you know, sometimes our airmen, they won't say anything the whole time. And that's big, you know, uh, great agnostic. Boy, you, you know, they know they're out process. So they would come see me after their final out, you know, uh, and they would lay it on you. And I'm like, bro, that's such a good idea, man. Curtis, why didn't you share that with me earlier, man? And that kind of conversation. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, Christopher, to your point, 100%, we need to be able to do that. Now, 
as a wing commander, command chief, you have the FTAC airmen that will come in, but everyone come in. I know Christopher doesn't think this, but wing commanders, wing command chiefs, that's at the squadron level. That's what I told the airmen last night. At the squadron level is where it happens at, you know. Uh, that's, that's where everything is. The sun rises and sets on our squadrons. Uh, so if the squadrons get offline, the Air Force is offline. Uh, it's very hard to sit. And I love uh, Chief Master Sergeant Joanne Bass and, and General Brown. There's only so much they can do. They can set the policies in. They can help advocate for those policies. But it's the essence. Uh, that go and execute that. And so thank you for what you're doing on the daily. I can just tell the way you carry yourself, the way you present yourself, the way you talk, that you deeply care about our airmen at the human level. Uh, so thank you so much for being on this discussion. 100% uh, Air Force Quarantine University, uh, be on the lookout because whoever is willing to do one-on-ones, uh, they're going to be, we're going to do some more podcasts. Won't be live feed videos uh, uh, coming out, uh, but some podcasts where we can get into the details. Uh, Curtis, thanks again for, for giving uh, Cyan some praise. Uh, young NCO, she had volunteered to be on the Airman panel. I was like, hey, you an NCO now. Uh, I said, uh, you, you okay with us throw, me throwing you in the NCO panel or the supervisory panel? Uh, so kudos to her for stepping up. Omar, uh, NCO as well, right? Uh, stepping up. It just, thank you. I really appreciate it. And I know uh, everyone on Quarantine University appreciates it as well. Um, so I'm going to kick off the live stream here. Uh, unless there's any parting shots, anything before we go, I'll kick off the live stream. But then y'all hang out for just a second uh, once we kick off live. Uh, nothing heard. So y'all know the deal. Till we talk again, keep it real. All right, we're off uh, live. Thank <laughs> you.